Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. Pre-record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two. Roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, let's go. Another edition of the Eagle Hour on the Super Talk Radio Network. Before we get going, let me answer a question that I got early this morning. Yes, yes, we will have more player interviews next week. I was tied up this week, could not get to practice, but uh, but we'll do so next Tuesday morning, and uh, we will bring you those player interviews. And we always appreciate the input from our listening audience, and uh, always happy. To answer those questions, welcome to the Super Talk Eagle Hour from the Southern Bank Course Studio here in Hattiesburg. Bob Getty, Kelly Sander, we're broadcasting the show today from Oak Grove. Opening segment is sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of Southern Miss, proud supporters of the Eagle Hour, and a great place for you to call and get your homecoming catering lined up right now. Before it's too late, call, tell them how many people you're expecting, what you'd like. Dickie's will make it the best homecoming tailgate you have ever had. All right, we're going to talk about fall baseball. Always puts a smile on our face when we can talk baseball. Fall practice actually kicks off tomorrow. But we want to dive into football right now, of course, because there's such a big game on the slate this weekend as the Golden Eagles get back in action after a week off take on uh, Troy at Troy University. Who knows better what they're in store for than Barry McKnight? He is the voice of the Troy Trojans and a good friend of this show. Barry, uh, we're always happy to have you on the Eagle Hour. It's always good to be on the Eagle Hour. Looking forward to uh, to Saturday for sure down here. There are a bunch of different things, a bunch of ticket specials for Saturday, a bunch of different events. You know, the, uh, the uh, 1987 D2 championship team, the 2007 championship team. There's a, there's a whole lot of groups that are going to be here. It should be a full house for uh for saturday night when the eagles come for sure it's going to be a big environment without a doubt right it's going to be exciting so let's talk a little bit about uh let's talk a bit about your troy football team three and two uh, they lose to Ole miss they beat alabama a&m you lose a heartbreaking game and we can talk a little bit about that the appalachian state yeah. but two nice wins in a row 16 to 7 over marshall 34 27 over Western Kentucky, and by all accounts, you, you know you, you you should have won. I think you'd agree, the Appalachian uh, State game. But but nevertheless, uh, a solid football team, and most of the prognosticators, and they seem to believe it'll either be Troy or South Al that wins the Western Division. Barry, well, right now, um, if you look at the West, 
it's a, it's an anomaly because Southern Miss is the only school, in, not only in the West, but in the whole conference, who has yet to play a conference game. So you don't really know what, what the Eagles matching up would look like in the Sun Belt. But everywhere else, if you look at the West, uh, the most impressive teams so far have been South Alabama, who's 4-1 and one overall, and Troy, who is at 3-2, and two, and is, as you mentioned, a batted pass away from being four and one on the season. So at least the early returns have been um, that South Alabama and Troy who meet in a little bit more than a week and a half are the, uh, are the teams that have a bit of a leg up right now in the West. There's no question. All right. Now tell me honestly, how long did it take that burning sensation to leave your gut after that Appalachian state game? Well, I got to I got to tell you, you brought it up just a moment ago, and it's still kind of there. You know, I'm still I'm still kind of <laughs> tapping my chest. Uh, I mean, it, that went down harder than a frozen biscuit. It's still, you know, you don't talk about it uh, around Troy. You didn't talk about it as of the uh, Monday after the game, just because you needed to flush that out of there. But right. you know, Troy had played better than Appalachian State at Appalachian State. There had been the big run-up to that game, you'll remember, because ESPN College Game Day was at Appalachian State, and Troy was one play away from just ruining that whole party, and I would have been there for it, believe me. And, you know, they they hit a miracle play at the very end. Um, It was one of those games, and I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen a lot of those as well, where you really wonder about the residual effect of it, because that was such a gut-wrencher that it's one of those that had the potential anyway to kind of carry with you into the preparation for next week, which was Marshall, and, you know, to, to have a lingering effect. But I think that's really the, the crux of the season, the turning point of the season, uh, to this point anyway, was how well Troy handled that disappointment. Because the next week, you know, the Marshall game after Marshall had you know, had the big win over Notre Dame. Troy won that game. And then last week on the road against Western Kentucky, just another really, really good performance. So that one, to answer your question, did not go down well at all. But the team has done a really good job of bouncing back from that disappointment. Barry, this is Kelly Sander. A lot of Southern Miss fans are using the two words that coaches hate to hear, trap game, when it comes to the Trojans. Because as you mentioned, they play South Al a week from Saturday in, in a game with so much significance because of the geographic proximity, if nothing else. So something uh, that the Trojans, uh, and I know they don't think about that, but what say you, a potential trap game here, something that the Trojans have to be careful of? Well, it's difficult to uh, – I understand what they're saying. I'm not disputing that. It's difficult to think of Southern Miss and think of looking past it. Because there has been, you know, so many terrific games between these two programs. Not as many as probably there should have been. It, to me, it has been one of the um, more underplayed natural rivalry games that's been out there. But you know, I mean, I was there whenever um, Southern Miss won the bowl game down at the Superdome in in overtime. I was there uh, the last time Southern Miss came to Troy in that shootout in. Um, 2019, 47-42 with both uh, clubs combining for over 1,000 yards of offense. So, you know, if it was somebody else, if it was a non-conference game or a game against a, um, a lower division, East division team, I'd say that has the potential. But I'm telling you, I, I can't overstress this. Troy Southern Miss really resonates with the people around here. It's, it's kind of a standalone game in its value to Troy, even as much really as the South Alabama game is for Troy. So 
a potential for a trap game. I get the concept of it, but in practice, uh, Southern Miss is a big deal to Troy, and, and it, and it um, I think it always will be. You've got two teams that are very similar in that the, the side of the football that has done most of the heavy lifting for both of these teams has been the defensive side of the football, yes? That is the case, and when I look at this game, and I've done all the preparation I can for it to this point, when I look at this game, I, I see that, but I'm still drawn to last year and the game, the game down in Hattiesburg uh, and, and the way Troy played defense. Troy won that game 21-9. to And the thing that still sticks out to me about that game were, um, were Troy's defensive performance. Uh, Troy had nine sacks last year against Southern Miss, and that ties the school record 16 tackles for loss in that game. I'm not saying I felt sorry for Ty Keys last year, who was really thrown into the situation a year ago, but um, I, I, do, um, I do wince a little bit. I mean, he got sacked nine times in that game, and he was still out there firing at the very end. Um, you know, I, I, there was just nothing that um, Southern Miss offensively could do on the edges to, to stop Detroit pass rush. So I, I think it was definitely the defense carried the game last year for Troy, and I do think that this, therefore, knowing what I know about personnel, tends to lead me to believe that this could this game could hinge on the defenses. There's no question. Right, about 90 seconds uh, left in the first segment, uh, Barry. Uh, I, I found this interesting. Just like Southern Miss going uh, to, to a Mississippi guy in Will Hall to coach their team, Troy does the same thing, finding an Alabama native, John Summerall, to coach the Trojans. Uh, your analysis of uh, his early tenure there? Well, he, he because of his um, because of his association with Troy before as the assistant head coach under Neil Brown, he gets Troy. You know, it, it's it's a small town. And it's not very um, centrally located, uh, but they love and are passionate about their football. He gets that. He understands that uh, as much as anything, you have got to be passionate about your program. Uh, the players absolutely love him. He has resonated totally with the players. He's brought so much energy to them. He's brought so much energy to the, to energy to the program. The fans really have um, have identified with that. But he's also done a really good job of assembling an outstanding coaching staff, I think. And he's done a pretty good job of filling some needs from last year's team uh, and doing it in a pretty quick fashion. It, it's, it's a talented team, and he has done a good job since the 1st of January to add to that talent. All right, Barry's been around. Uh, how long have you been around uh, the Sun Belt, Barry? This is my 21st year of doing play-by-play for Troy, and it was my third year in 2004 before Troy actually joined the Sunbelt Conference. So um, it's been it's been 17 years um, all throughout, and I do football, I do men's basketball, I do baseball, the whole schmear. So I've been around the league a pretty good bit. All right, well, we're going to hold you over. We want to get your analysis, and you know far more about it than Kelly or I. Uh, of where the league is right now from a football standpoint. What do you see as the big surprises, maybe the the best stories and the biggest disappointments? We're going to continue our conversation with Barry McKnight, who is the play-by-play voice of Troy University, Southern Miss's Saturday night opponent. Other side of the break, more from Barry on the Super Talk Eagle Hour.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back. We're talking to Barry McKnight for Troy University on the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Quick reminder of a couple of things. Uh, we'll be fading into the solar system again today at 1.52 p.m. as a uh, sun fade uh, expected to hit this part of the country. 1.52 p.m. Uh, should last about seven or eight minutes today. Does not affect our podcast which you can hear anytime on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or you can just tell Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. But on our terrestrial signals, it will knock us out today at about 1.52 p.m. This segment is sponsored by Campus Bookmart and campusbookmart.net. They're on Hardy Street. They have all the latest Southern Miss apparel. They have a great staff. You can uh, shop them seven days a week right across the street from the campus. Or, of course, you can uh, shop them online at campusbookmart.net. All right, we're talking, as I mentioned, to Barry McKnight, play-by-play voice of Troy University. All right, Barry, let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit. You've been around the, the Sun Belt for a long time. It's obviously new to us. Right. We're still waiting on the Golden Eagles to play their first Sun Belt game. But uh, let's start over on the east side. And, and um, here's sort of the storyline that I see right now. Uh, Coastal Carolina undefeated. Some argument I would – I would think as to whether App State might not really be the best overall team. I guess we'll see when they play. Uh, one of the new schools making a lot of noise. Analyze the East first off, Barry. Tell us what surprises you and uh, what you think are the good stories and the bad stories. Well, the the two things that surprise me, one positively, one negatively. First, the negative surprise is that Georgia State uh, finally won their first game of the year last week against Army. They, they started that 0-4, and, and I thought that they were primed. I mean, they got a veteran team, a veteran quarterback there in Granger, a good running game with Jemias Williams and, and Tucker Gregg. I thought Georgia State was primed for big things in the East, and they haven't gotten off to a good start. The good news for them is they're only 0-1 in, um, in league play. The biggest surprise, not only in the East, but for my money, the biggest surprise in the whole Sun Belt Conference James Madison University. It's their first year in FBS play. It's their first year in the Sun Belt, same thing as the Eagles. Um, And they're going to throw a monkey wrench in things. Troy doesn't play them this year. Southern Miss doesn't play them this year, so it doesn't affect us. But, I mean, they could be the best team in the East when it's all said and done, and they got to sit home. They could throw a monkey wrench in the entire division and for nothing other than, you know, for pride, because they're not eligible for the championship. Let, let me interrupt Madison you real quick. If, if, if James Madison were to win the Eastern Division, then I assume mm-hmm. the number two team would play in the championship game. That is correct. Yeah. And I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any, not any doubt in my mind, that um, the two teams, the class of that division, are James Madison and Coastal Carolina. They're the only two undefeated teams in the league overall. Um, and so Coastal would get to go uh, in that particular case. But James Madison has got a really, really good linebacker who leads the league in tackles. They've got a transfer quarterback, Todd Santeo, who, is, who has been terrific so far. Um, and they're legit. You know, that their win over Appalachian State, Unfortunately, by the same score as Troy lost to Appalachian State by, that got some people's attention because it was in Boone. That's the biggest surprise that I've seen in the whole league so far is James Madison enters this conference good to go. I mean, they are locked and loaded. All right, who's the best team, Appalachian State or Coastal Carolina? Uh, There's no doubt in my mind it's Coastal. 
And, you know, Appalachian State has gotten a lot of the early season publicity because of the win against Texas A&M, who has not been all that great this year, and the, the college game day. Um, but Troy outplayed them at their place. I think, you know, offensively, they are fine. Defensively, they've got some issues. They're not as good on the front seven as they've been in the past when they were dominant. And they do have some holes in the secondary that Troy was able to exploit. Troy threw for over 300 yards against him. And again, was just a Hail Mary pass. I think Appalachian State is good. I am not down on them at all. But in my mind, it's clear that Coastal Carolina, to this point, is a better football uh, And team. so Georgia State is what you see as the disappointment so far in the East. That's correct. And, you know, who knows? They've got time. I mean, they've they played one conference game and they've lost it. But they started out 0-4, and I did not see that coming. Uh, they still have a chance. I, you know, they've got uh, experience, they've got talent, um, and their schedule is conducive the rest of the way. And you concur with that, Mr. Sander? Yeah, although that, that, that first, those first four games, Barry, were brutal, playing South Carolina, yeah. North, North Carolina. I mean, they were playing some beasts. But, but yeah, I'm, they were. And, you know, they had North Carolina at home. They had South Carolina uh, as well. Um, and it has been a tough schedule. That's why I think, you know, it's, it's been disappointing the way they played in, in a couple of their games. But again, I am not giving up on them necessarily because, you know, their schedule is definitely backloaded in their favor the rest of the way. Uh, so you like, I, I think it's fair to say, you like Coastal, uh, you like Coastal to win the East, correct? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, and, uh, it's, it's, it's something that, uh, I mean, you guys will see. You've got to go to Coastal Carolina November the 12th. Um, that's just a really good program, top to bottom, everything from personnel to uh, experience to uh, culture. Uh, you know, they, they've had it rolling for a long time, and they've got the best offensive football player in the Sun Belt Conference, and that's Grayson McCall, and he's been the best best quarterback in this league for a couple of years now. All right, your analysis of the West, same question. The the West, the best that I've seen, the biggest surprise positively out of the West is not really a big surprise. I, I thought South Alabama would be good. Their coach is in his second year, and he has really upgraded through the portal during the offseason. They are just a field goal at the horn at UCLA away from being undefeated. They're 4-1, and one, and they do a lot of things well. Uh, they've got a transfer portal quarterback. They've got a transfer portal running back named LaDamian Webb, who's second in the league in rushing, who uh, was on Troy's campus as a student a couple of years ago and very talented. Um, They've been been very impressive. I'm not sure I'm surprised about them. The biggest negative surprise out of the West is Louisiana. You know, Billy Napier is no longer there. Um, You know, they lost a lot, including some really big pieces in the transfer portal that followed Napier to Florida, a guy like Montrell Johnson, the running back, and Osiris Torrance, a really good offensive lineman. I knew that they'd lose some, but to start out 0-2 with a loss against ULM, that, that's, that's a red flag for me in the West. Barry, what's interesting, too, it, it, the, the older you get, the more you learn that the, the world really becomes smaller. The head football coach that you were referring to at South Al is Kane Womack, who, who mm-hmm. was raised in Hattiesburg, graduated from Oak Grove High School here in Hattiesburg. His dad, Dave Womack, was the defensive coordinator at Southern Miss under Jeff Bauer. And now Kane, coaching at South Alabama, will be coaching against Southern Miss, as he did last year, and and will again, you know, a little bit later on 
this year. But I, I concur on on both of those. Uh, on both of those, the other the other thing that might be a little bit of a surprise to me that I'd want to get your comments on is. You know, preseason prognostications kind of said that Louisiana Monroe shouldn't even bother, you know, showing up for games this year, that the Warhawks were that weak. But they're turning out to be a little better than people thought they were going to be. Well, we all know Terry Bowden can coach. Uh, He can certainly coach offensive football. Uh, The the issues at ULM have always been has always been talent. It's it's difficult to recruit there. They have not had a great job. They don't have a ton of resources out there. And I thought, you know, they would take a step back because Rich Rodriguez, who had been their offensive coordinator last year, left to become the head coach at Jacksonville State. I thought that would be an issue. But they've been able to move the football pretty well. They do have issues on defense. I don't think they're an especially deep team. Uh, right now they're 2-3, and three, and they've had some, you know, the, the win over, over Louisiana was a really big statement game for Coach uh, Bowden and something they build upon, I just don't know that top to bottom they have the depth to uh, make it through the Sunbelt Conference schedule with a realistic shot of being there at the end. All right, Barry, who's your who's your pick right now to win the West? Well, i got to like the Troy Trojans. It's the chance for me to, to self-gloss, to, to pump up Troy, because for, for me it'll all come down to October the 8th. I'm sorry, on the, October the 20th. Uh, on a Thursday at South Alabama. It's a big rivalry game. Troy has handled this rivalry really well lately. But Troy, there's a couple of, uh, there's a couple of issues. And again, Troy has started three and two just to play away from being four and one and a first year head coach. There were some injuries that cropped up last week. Gunnar Watson, the Troy quarterback, had to leave the game. Uh, good for Troy to have Jarrett Dagey, a sixth year senior there, to help win it at the end at quarterback. I'm not sure who's going to start at QB against Southern Miss this weekend. That's still to be seen. There's some injuries on defense. To me, you know, Troy has has had the personnel to win in each of the last several years and just hasn't done it. I think there's a lot of cohesiveness with this group. The one thing that worries me about this team is the um, are the injuries. I just simply don't know. And down to the end of the schedule, road games at South, at Louisiana, and at the end against Arkansas State on the road, um, you know, those don't necessarily inspire confidence, but I love the way that Troy is in there battling right now. All right, Barry, great stuff, man. We really appreciate uh, your input. It's always fun to talk to you and uh, hope for a great game Saturday night. Look forward to talk to you again, sir. I anticipate a great game. Glad to be able to preview it with you, fellas. Thank you very much. All right, Barry McKnight, everybody. Play-by-play voice, Troy University. Good friend of the Eagle Hour. All right, fall baseball starts tomorrow. You heard me right. Fall baseball starts tomorrow. We're going to talk about that. Quick reminder, go to Mo Bay Beignet for the best beignets anywhere. Cook to order great coffees. They're located on Hardy Street. They're right across from the Southern Miss campus. Mo Bay Beignet, the official beignet company of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. All right, our thanks to Barry McKnight, Troy University, for joining us. Uh, Barry's been on the show many times, always uh, entertaining and informative, and we appreciate uh, his contribution to our program. This segment sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill. 
where the big game will be on Saturday night at 6 o'clock. You can count on that. You can get yourself a shrimp poor boy, a cold Pabst Blue Ribbon. That's what I would get if I were going to be there and uh, and watch the Golden Eagles. And I may be there. Who knows, Kelly Tanner? <laughs> All you had to say was cold Pabst Blue Ribbon, and your eyes just lit up. You know. Yeah, a couple of uh, programming notes. Uh, tomorrow on the show, we'll have Will East. He'll preview all the big high school games around the state. Alex Ward is an assistant offensive football coach for Troy. He will be joining us uh, tomorrow afternoon to analyze the game as well. And for our listeners over in the Laurel, Jones County, Waynesboro, McGee, Collins area, a switch in our Friday night high school football. We were originally scheduled and have been promoting that we would be broadcasting the South Jones and West Jones game, but there's been some scheduling changes uh, within the school system. And so Luke and super intern Nathan Lee will be on the road tomorrow night and they'll be broadcasting the game between the Laurel Tornadoes and Natchez. That game will be in Natchez. So you, uh, if you can't make the long drive, you can uh, listen to the Tornadoes uh, tomorrow night on our Laurel affiliate, 99.3 Super Talk Laurel. All right, tomorrow kicks off fall baseball practice. You can uh, get your first glimpse of the 2023 Golden Eagles this weekend. They'll be holding free open scrimmages uh, tomorrow at 2, Saturday at 12 noon, Sunday at 2 p.m. The Golden Eagles returned 15 letter winners from last year's squad and 18 newcomers to a roster that was a 47-19 and 19, uh, last season. Uh, now the sixth straight 40-win season mark is currently the longest streak in the country by any Division I baseball team, and uh, they also earned the distinction of being ranked preseason number 26 out of the top 100 baseball programs by D1 Baseball and, of course, finished uh, last season in the top 25. Seven starters returned to this year's roster, including Dustin Dickerson, Slade Wilkes, Danny Lynch, Carson, Carson Pato, Christopher Sargent, Reese Ewing. I mean, when you hear all of those names, you have to feel pretty good about your chances. The Golden Eagles will, though, have to replace 10 pitchers on the mound. Uh, but back for his junior year is 2022 Ferris Trophy winner and USA Collegiate Baseball National Team uh, pitcher Tanner Hall. He was 9-3 last year, 146 strikeouts, 14 walks, an ERA of 2.81. Got some relieving, uh, you know, veterans coming back. Chandler Best, Nico Mazza is coming back. And they're going to be three new pitchers who uh, I think it's fair to say uh, they look to have a big impact, and that's Tyler Martin who transfers in from Nebraska, Billy Odom from Eastern Connecticut, and Luke Trahan from Dallas Baptist. Fascinating uh, story unfolding already, Kelly, in that you got this really, obviously, very good baseball team coming back, but you lose the heart and soul of your bullpen. You have the best pitching coach maybe in the country, and, and, and in there lies all the scenarios. And here's why fall baseball is important. Bob, the layperson might be tuning in going, it's fall. You know, what are they going to really do? you know, in the fall when it comes to baseball, when the season is in the spring. Here's what happens is because of those openings, all right, the new guys coming in, some guys leaving, you now have an opportunity. This is, you know, you hear Will Hall talk about competition Tuesday. In baseball, it's competition fall. This is really the best chance for Scott Berry and his staff to be able to see potential 
starting lineups, and they'll probably come up with four or five different scenarios as these guys play out the fall. All right, they'll have their exit meetings at the end of the fall where they'll tell each of these guys, okay, here's where we think you might, you know, where you might fit in. Here's some things you want to work on. Because really, when you get going in the spring, you don't have a whole lot of time to prepare for the actual first game. So the work that takes place in the fall is, in my mind, more important than anything that gets done in the early spring. This is where guys are going to jockey for positions and fill those potential spots. And I should point out, practice actually starts today. They're practicing this afternoon, and then they'll uh, open up with the scrimmage uh, scrimmages uh, tomorrow uh, afternoon at 2 o'clock. Okay, obviously, uh, I think there were some off-season moves aimed at increasing the team's offensive punch. If there was a weakness to the really fine team last year, I think it was offensive punch and maybe some offensive depth. And I think that the the staff has worked to address that. And then replacing your pitchers, obviously. Tate Parker, you were talking about the offensive side of the ball. Tate Parker, uh, NJCAA, you know, one of the top uh, junior college players in the country from the national championship Pearl River team right down the road. He's the home run, the all-time home run leader at Pearl River College and runs like a deer in center field. So he'll be a guy that you'll that you will certainly want to watch for. But I don't think it was any I don't think it was any secret, Bob, that if if the Eagles had a weakness, it was a pretty doggone good team from from top to bottom. But if there was uh, something that that stopped them from going the distance, it was it was on the offensive side of the ball and credit the national champions who wound up, you know, winning the whole thing? They came to Hattiesburg, and no, no, I don't remember who that was. Now, I, yeah, well, I do. I'm just not going to say it, but but they exposed the Eagles a little bit on the on that offensive side, and that old adage that good pitching is always going to beat good hitting, especially when the title is on the line. That's kind of what happened, uh, right. particularly in that series. All right, we'll reach out uh, to Coach Barry, Coach Oz, get some of those guys on the show hopefully next week, and uh, and uh, get some insight. Uh, before we've got a few minutes left. Talk about the Massey ratings. Where does Southern Miss – go back to football. Where does Southern Miss stand, according to Massey? Can I add a postscript to baseball? Sure, sure. Uh, Dustin Dickerson, uh, I understand that there, there, there could potentially be an NIL deal uh, forthcoming for Dustin Dickerson and also for Tanner Hall from, uh, from a company out there who appreciated the fact – he didn't take the money and run to any particular Good deal. Give, yeah. him, give the kids some money. Yes. And, I, and I think that's exactly – so hopefully we'll Good be hearing deal. more Good news deal. about that in like the near future. That. All right, the uh, Massey ratings are out for the Sunbelt Conference uh, this week. And interesting, when you break this down and – and I have to go back to Conference USA one more time, Bob, just to put things in perspective. All right, first of all, the top team in the Sunbelt right now, according to the Massey ratings, is Coastal Carolina. They're, they're the best team, according to the Masseys. They come in at 42nd. Now, there's 131 Division I schools, okay? Coastal Carolina comes in at 42nd. According to the Masseys, the second best team in the Sun Belt is also from the East, James Madison, who comes in at 44, just a couple of slots behind Coastal Carolina. Then the third best team in the Sun Belt also – from the east, App State. App State. Yeah, it comes in 55th. So you've got 42 Coastal Carolina, James Madison 44, Appalachian State 55. So those are the top three teams in the Sun Belt. But then, then, you, then you go to the west where teams start to, to fall in. South Al 
is the number one team in the West, and they're projected to win the West by the Massey rating. South Al, 59 out of the 131 schools. Then comes Troy at 63. That's Southern Miss's uh, opponent. Let's take a look at the rest of the West, and then we'll go back to the East. Coming in third in this week's Massey ratings, I'm a little bit surprised by this, but Louisiana Lafayette, ahead of Southern Miss in the Massey ratings, Lafayette, University of Louisiana, comes in 85th. Then comes Southern Miss at 96. The Eagles are 2-2 two and two on the year so far. And according to the Massey ratings, you know, you match the numbers up to opponents down the road, the Masseys have Southern Miss finishing with a 5-6 and six record. No, I don't buy that, but go ahead. So, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But they've got them finishing at 5-6. and six. The rest of the West has Louisiana Monroe at 104. Arkansas State at 105, and of course the Red Wolves come in here next week to provide the homecoming op- opposition, and then Texas State at 117. All right, over in the east again, we left off with App State at 55, Georgia Southern is at 80, Marshall is at 82, Georgia State at 100, Old Dominion 102. So Coastal Carolina, the top team in the Sun Belt right now, Texas State ranked as the worst team in the Sun Belt. But compared to Conference USA, UTSA is the top-ranked team in Conference USA, and they come in 69th. That's the top team. And comparatively speaking, there are five teams in the Sun Belt that are higher than that, or are better than that. And I also believe that Conference USA, as usual, has three or four teams in the bottom ten. The, the bottom five, actually, Bob, has two yeah. Conference USA teams. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte and FIU are in the bottom five. But we ain't looking in the rearview mirror. We're no, but it, is, it, it yeah. sure is interesting. If, if you want to see how they compare in football, there's, there's no doubt that the Sun Belt was better last year. And based on these numbers, it's even better this year. All right. I want to remind you one more time, uh, if it hasn't hit us, it's going to hit us in about three minutes. Sun fade from outer space at the 152. Uh, we'll lose you terrestrially, but uh, you can continue to follow us uh, on our podcast later this afternoon. Stay with us. Eagle Hour continues. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Rule number one, watch your headset volume when the music comes back on suddenly. I got caught up a little bit in that conversation and and failed to do that. D1 and D-Bat sponsors this segment of the Eagle Hour. It's a great place to take your child for baseball and softball training. If you're an adult, state-of-the-art training for whatever sport you're involved in, golf, tennis, it doesn't matter. They've got a program for you at D1. It is a magnificent facility, really. It's located on Hardy Street, and uh, they are waiting to serve you, and we appreciate all D1 and DBAT does in sponsoring the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss Volleyball, 10-6 and six on the season, 2-2 two and two in the Sun Belt. 
starts a four-match road swing as it travels to Louisiana Monroe for a pair of Sunbelt Conference matches this week. Uh, Thursday's match, that'll be tonight, 6 p.m. That should be Friday and Saturday, isn't it? Well, it says here Thursday's match from uh, Ewing Coliseum in Monroe, Louisiana, scheduled for 6 p.m. Uh, and then see what it says. And then it says, uh, while uh, I didn't print that part. Oh, no, anyway, anyway, I, two, I, two, two nights of matches against uh, Louisiana. Monroe. Yeah, and soccer, I think, plays tonight. Uh, yeah. Soccer, I think, plays tonight. And I think volleyball is, is one game tomorrow at 6, and then, then uh, they'll right. play again on Saturday. ULM, we should point out, 6-12 and 12, uh, on the season. All right, so uh, that's, that's what's happening in other sports. Uh, NFL football tonight, the Colts. <laughs> and the uh, Broncos, that's a sleeper. It, it, two teams that, 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 you know, when the schedule came out, you're probably thinking this is going to be a pretty good game, right? No. But both teams have been a little bit uh, disappointing so far. The Colts in a very weak uh, AFC Southern South division, which don't don't uh, don't be shocked here when you say the Jacksonville Jaguars are because you got the Texans in that division. Terrible. You, yeah, you think the Texans are the worst team in the league. The Colts have been disappointing. Mm-hmm. Hey, the Jaguars have won a couple games. Yeah. So new uh, coach Doug Peterson coaching yeah. the uh, Jaguars. So a new a new era down there. Well, talking about football, I got to tell you, Kelly, with with the week off and how exciting everything was with Tulane. I'm really anxious to see the team play Saturday night. What do you what do you anticipate you'll see? Two two things I think could come out of this game. If Southern Miss were to pull off the upset, and and they're they're a somewhat you know big underdog, I would say, uh, then you automatically have to legitimize the discussion about having the potential to win the West because you've got the Cajuns coming here. Right in that nationally televised game on October 27th, you also have South Al coming here. So statistically, the other two teams that you would have to beat in order to secure the West are both going to be games in Hattiesburg, right? So if you can pull this one off at Troy this weekend, then clearly you you can do your own dirty work and you'll get to do it in front of your friends and family here in Hattiesburg. I anticipate a really hard hitting game and I think the the one particular unit that is either going to win this game uh, or perhaps not win it will be the defensive front of Southern Miss which they played so well against Tulane and are, are really you know turning some heads you also heard what Barry McKnight said last year remember that, that they sacked uh, Ty Keys at the time nine times this is a completely different offensive line than what you had last year as far as the way that they're playing Sam Gregg you know, coming in as offensive line coach and, and co-offensive coordinator there. Uh, completely different offensive line with a with more of a passing quarterback in Wilkie. And they only gave up you know, 69 yards on the ground of Western Kentucky, but the Hilltoppers were able to pass on the Trojans. So uh, if, if Wilkie can, can pass the ball, he can be protected. The Eagles can take care of the football, and the defensive line caused some pressure for Troy. The Eagles have a chance to win this. And, again, if they do, then all talk of winning the West has to be legitimized. It just has to. Well, I think another thing they have to do to get a win is they've got to generate a little bit of a running attack. They've got to take some of the pressure off the freshman quarterbacks. Like Lee Roberts said earlier in the week, if you could generate a running attack, take a little pressure off of him, you could pretty you could have a pretty dynamic offense because the kid can throw the football, but uh, they really need to run the ball a little better. 
I think every team would probably agree with that, that no matter how many yards they put up, they'll probably always say, well, we, we need to run the ball better. But look at some teams in the NFL, and I think you and I talked about this last week, Cincinnati included, because obviously I follow the Bengals. I mean, Mixon and them, are, they're not running the football very well, but they're still winning football games. They're running it just well enough, you know, to open up some of those pass routes. Are you back on that bandwagon again? I get kind of mixed up. Are, are you back on it? Bob, there's there's nothing in print that ever says that I was off. Do you have recordings for change? Well, I do remember. Yes, actually, we do. Actually, we do have this show recorded. We, oh, the Colts are going to kill them. They're just terrible. <laughs> the quarterback's thrown in the towel. Yeah. He's afraid. Yeah, blah, he's, blah, blah. he's. You remember, do you not remember that? Yeah, I do. I do. But but to be fair, in the last two weeks, he's only been sacked once. So the offense. So the answer is yes. You're back on the bandwagon. Oh, of course. Look, I've been with them since they joined the league in 1968. I'm not. I'm not going anywhere now. So, okay. All right. uh, at junior college football this weekend, the big cat fight. It is the homecoming game on the campus at Jones, where the nationally ranked Jones Bobcats, undefeated on the year, at five and zero, will take on Pearl River. And the Wildcats are playing much better football. They're still the underdog against Jones, but. Uh, Happy homecoming to all the students at, at uh, Jones College. They'll play Pearl River on Saturday, homecoming on campus. All right, Alex Ward, offensive coach for Troy University on the Eagle Hour tomorrow, along with Will East. We hope you'll be part of it, too. Until tomorrow at 1 o'clock, Southern Miss. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.